Carroll bringing it forward. Thompson's making the run. Carroll hangs on to it though. Still Davy Carroll. Could go all the way here. Oh, what a goal! Good evening, hi Wickham, bringing the Blues live, that's right, after 100 episodes, over 100 episodes of the award-nominated podcast. We're doing it live and direct from the heart of High Wycombe on 106.6 FM in the Chair Metropolis. And you can join us online on the Radio Player app and the Wickham Sound website around the world. And yeah, big thanks to the Art Show for making way tonight. You can listen to them tomorrow night and Chatsworth is on straight after us. So if you're tuning in for that, stick around for an hour of Wickham Wanderers Chats with this guy. Wanderers chairman, Rob Kuig. Rob, how are you? I'm terrific. I'm, I'm a little nervous here. It sounds like my friend Mr. Mason may be around the corner. Well, as your regular listeners of Ring of the Blues will know, that is your sound introduction when we feature you. Uh, you know, uh, you're yep. a lawyer, and I know yeah. you're a big fan of Perry Mason. Right, sure. And I stuck some fireworks and in And Ironside well. as well. And Ironside, although not that Ironside he plays for Cambridge, right. not anymore. <laughs> uh, I put some fireworks in as well. You'll notice it's still light outside. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody at the office today, the nerve of this kid, 12 years old and working for us, and he challenged me on the fireworks, and he said, look, I'm okay with the fireworks. Just don't promise me we'll never do them in the daylight again. And, and we went back and we figured it out. Of course, your daylight savings started a week after ours did, or vice versa, and... There you go. Well, you live and learn, as they say. Yep. Uh, right, we've got questions that we've opened up initially to season ticket holders. Why was it season ticket holders got first dibs, Rob? Well, pretty pretty simply, they're the base of our support. They have come out in great numbers. We are far, far ahead of where we were last year in terms of season tickets. We will exceed last year's overall number probably within the next several weeks. Uh, and, uh, you know, they... They're good to us. I want to be good to them. They're entitled to have whatever questions they want answered. Um, I'm a pretty open book. And, you know, somebody told me that there was a rumor going around this was all going to be prepackaged. And I said, well, they obviously don't know filler. I would just walked in. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been roaming the streets of East Wickham trying, trying to find you. Trying to find you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let alone look at the questions. Uh, right, we've got questions that have been submitted by Go season holders. We've also got the phone lines here, 01494 44900. If you want to join in the discussion, then ring and we'll, we'll get you on. We will respect the, the season ticket holder questions. We'll get through those as quick as we can. Then we'll take it to socials and the phones. So do ring in if you want to ask the question to Rob Kuhig. Uh, right, let's kick things off. Off with Mark Whiffin. Uh, seems to go to Mark Whiffin. He says, as a supporter, I thoroughly enjoyed last season, but note that ultimately we fell short of your stated objective of promotion, Rob. Now, what have you learned from the experience of this last season? And in hindsight, would you have done anything differently? Um, first, I would have set my expectations exactly as high as I did. I know of no reason why we would not. We the gaffer and I sat down. We believed that we had put together a squad that was capable of getting there. 
I think in retrospect, I did not realize, nor did most of our folks, the effect of playing so late at, the, at Wembley and starting the season so unnaturally early led so many of our guys not to have the requisite month or so off. So they came back in and they were prone to injury. Uh, when you think about it, ordinarily, that, these guys run literally miles and miles and miles, and they, and they work so hard. The bodies give out. And so last year, they came back into camp, and by the time we started the season, we were missing seven out of the possible ten outfielders, as you call them, who, who were the backbone of our team. And we didn't have a full complement of them for the first two and a half months, by which we had uh, wasn't as bad as when we went up to the championship and we dug that seven-game hole. But it was it was a hole for what our expectations were. And then, of course, uh, we had to wait uh, to get Max. I'm not I'm not saying that the young fellow who was our goalkeeper before did a bad job. One game he was player of the match, but but these uh, quality level difference that Max brought. Right then, hopefully Mark, that's answered your question. As I say, 01494 4499 if you want to join in the conversation. Uh, Mark also said, what else would I do different? Nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, remember, Nothing. Rob. Nothing, man. Nothing. I mean, I wish we, we, I would, I have said, I wish we had had deeper bench talent, but I don't know where I would have put them, you know, when everybody's well. Right then, let's move on to the next question. Uh, Andy Leonard, he says, I'm sure many will ask this, but can you give us some indication of how the discussions are getting on regarding the new access road at Adams Park? Are the Carrington family on board? Is the council being a blocker? Let me be somewhat judicious as I answer this. We have done everything we're supposed to do. It is in front of the pre-planning group, They have come back. Neil Peters and Trevor Stroud have really sort of led the charge for us on it. Uh, First of all, uh, the Dashwoods are solidly supportive. Uh, They have worked with me to come up with a plan. We, the the pre-planning people, had some question about how would this additional 350 cars every two weeks for an hour and a half affect life. Uh, And Neil was able to point out the way we would take them off of that particular road, it would have no effect because they'd just come off. And if they hadn't pre-purchased their uh, ticket, they'd drive down this road for 150 yards and they'd go back out. And so uh, I think once they see it, they'll be okay. The, 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 The problem with everything and every planning commission worldwide is that people understandably take their responsibilities seriously. And for us, which should be, I mean, we're doing so much good for the people in the sands and for the area immediately surrounding it, for the multiple people that would have to drive an extra 10 or 15 minutes, it's hard for me to see that there'd be any real negative, but we're going to take it step by step and see where we go. Um, we're ready. I mean, gee, if they could just give us the okay, uh, I suspect Neil would be out there tomorrow morning in his car pushing things and making it happen. Your original time frame rose a few eyebrows when you first started talking about it. Is this something that's different here in the UK than it is back home for you? I don't know if it's different or if it was my just personal naivete. You've gotten to know me. People have gotten to know me. I move a little faster than most. And it just was inconceivable to me that it would take almost a year 
to put a road in over a guy's private property to bring it to another piece of private property that was beneficial to everyone. We did all the environmental studies. We did everything. It's going to add to the overall environment. But there you go. Bureaucracy must be served. So in conclusion then to this question, what, what, what should the fans expect? Is this, or watch this space. Is there anything the fans can do to help? I don't think so. I, um, if, if you see Neil Peters and he's out lying down in the middle of the road, I suspect that means things have gone badly. That's a Friday night, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, uh, I think we'll be okay. Uh, we may have to send up the flag and ask people to contact the appropriate officials within government. We've tried not to do that. Uh, we think this is all part of dealing with the administration and making sure that we do it the right way. Uh, we know they're trying to do their job. We know we're going to do it the right way. Andy, I do know there's a second part to this question, which is a little bit more frivolous. We'll do that later on in the show. Uh, I just want to make sure we get through the big topics uh, while we've got Rob here. Uh, we'll move on to the next question. And this is Kevin King. What, what are the plans regarding recruitment? We've got a number of gaping holes, which will need filling before the season starts. And has the manager provided you with a list of realistic targets ahead of pre-season in order to integrate the playing staff as quickly as possible? Do you think he used the word gaping targets? It's good. I wonder what he meant by that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we are going to have a new director of recruitment, probably be announced early next week. One of the things is, as you know, Phil, we don't we don't show people how we cook the meal out in public, but Matt and I have been busy establishing our relationship. I knew Matt as a player to say hello to in this role. I obviously got to know him during the interview process that lasted a minute and a half, uh, and when we, when, we, when we pushed him to go to Colchester, and we had our eye on him. But he has taken a very disciplined approach to this job. Um, he has come to me with a series of requests, and we have supported him, as you would expect, in each and every one of them. We know that basic, most of the talent from last year will be back. We know by design that we have created, I'd say, five, six, seven spots that have to be filled. We expect to use our new director of recruitment to be much more aggressive in going finding people at a level that can come in instantly to help. Uh, we will continue to use Sam Grace to go find our developmental squad people, sort of divide those responsibilities more. Um, and, and I think people will be generally pleased with what we bring in. Uh, Matt is very conscious that we want to bring in probably two, maybe as many as three loans from uh, Premier League-type teams uh, to supplement us. We have a great reputation with those clubs. They like to send kids here. Uh, but we're going to find, as I say, probably three or four people that will be, if not instantly recognizable, at that next level down from that. So they'll be – I, I, let me just segue into I could not be more pleased with Matt's approach and his entire staff. But, but I was at the uh, training ground today places in an uproar. We've torn everything up. We're painting it. We're making sure that it looks good for the new players. Matt was there, of course, because he was there. He's always there or he's at home. 
he and Tomo go and, and Lee go and meet at a Holiday Inn near their house and work most days or a lot of days. Uh, so lots being done. Uh, you mentioned this this new role coming in. Uh, what does that mean for uh, Andrew Howard uh, and Pete Keurig as well? Because they're obviously involved or, or have been involved in that recruitment setup. Well, I guess it defines, we, let's define recruitment. Andrew and Pete sort of have always had a second look at who was brought through the door. Uh, this will be a guy who's much more involved in bringing a guy to the door and saying, hey, fellas, I think so-and-so will beg a hell of a winger. What do you guys think? And, and if they like him, we'll sign him. Uh, and Pete will still play a role in that. Andrew's role really is it's a, it's a unique one, I suspect, in the sport, and that he is there to mentor Matt and his staff, help them understand the role of being a manager. Uh, so that, look, I'm not here all the time, and I don't know what I'm talking about 90% of the time, but I trust Andrew to have those conversations with him. And you mentioned the loan market. That's something Wickham haven't done much of recently, just Chem Campbell last season. Right. Um, is that a change of approach? A little bit, slightly. Look, it's an expensive sport. We spent a little bit more money than we wanted to last year. Uh, so we're going to watch it. It doesn't mean we're going to cut everything. But if, if we can bring in a quality kid who on the open market might cost us 8,000 pounds a week, but if, um, let me pick Liverpool, for example, is paying the kid 10 and they need us to pay three, that makes economic sense. So we'll use it uh, to supplement what we're doing. We're maintaining our position on growing our own homegrown characters. Um, but, yeah, a little, little difference. There'll be differences. You know, life moves on. And your friends at Plymouth, obviously, you know the chairman down at Plymouth. They use the low market exceptionally well and won the title. It's funny. On the way over here, I was asked by a reporter, what do you, what do you think of their use? And, and look, I think Simon and, the, and those guys have put together probably the best operation, certainly in League One last year. And their selection of talent was good. But they also got a little lucky on some of it. You know, it's... Uh, you, you can look at people and you think you know, but until they play, you don't know. There we go. There's, for every Plymouth, there's an MK Duns. Right. We got what is it, 16 minutes <laughs> in before I come mentioned. Come on, come on. They, oh, come on. What happened to them at the end of I'm the I'm not year? sure. I have to look down the bottom. My screen doesn't scroll down that far yet. But there we are. Next question, Rob. Okay. Uh, Rob, you recently described the legal negotiations with the trust board as being difficult. Now that you have the outcome you wanted... How do you see things working with the supporters group going forward? That's from David, season ticket holder David. <laughs> I suspect if he asked uh, a couple of my friends on the trust board today, they would say hadn't gotten any easier. Um, I, I would be lying if I didn't tell you I found it to be one of the most disappointing negotiations of my life. Uh, I thought it was going to be very easy that we were all working together, and I think part of the problem is the trust didn't really know what they wanted uh, other than some sort of foothold to control what's going on. Uh, I probably was not as uh, sympathetic as I could have been. And then right in the middle of it, the rules changed, and they decided that they needed to get a vote on the ordinary shares, not on the voting shares, that I guess is taking place now. 
uh, and and that upset me, not because I was afraid of a vote. You know, we we do well on those things. But it was like nobody told me this. And they were like, well, when we first started, we didn't have to. And I was like, well, then why would you change the rules midway through? And they were like, well, that's what some organization that they belong to said that they had to do. And I said, well, how come nobody picked up the phone and told me? It, you don't need to get into the tit for tat for it. But it was uh, it left a bad taste in my mouth. I'd be lying if I told you it didn't. It probably left a bad taste in some of their mouths. But it's behind us now where we are trying to figure out how to go forward. Uh, they're always going to have a big role with the club in the sense of they see themselves as the protectors of the club. I, I don't know who they're protecting it from. It may be from me, uh, but I, I don't understand the philosophy. If, I think if you ask seven guys independently in the trust, what is the purpose of the trust and how do they go about it, you'd get seven completely radically different answers. Not that that's wrong, it's just difficult to negotiate with folks. And I thought I was trying to do everybody a favor. Less altruistically, from their standpoint, what I, it makes it easier for me now to bring in outside investment. As long as the trust owned 25%, they, in effect, were wagging the dog. And since this has happened, uh, I have dealt with, particularly in the last two days, literally a half a dozen people knocking at the door, not demanding to give me money, incidentally, but saying, I might be interested in investing in the club. Uh, we like the way the club is being run. Where do you guys see it going? And so, you know, I spent half a day in London yesterday talking with three different groups uh, because it's important that we maintain the the unique culture of the club, but we we have high ambition, and it's not high ambition to get a guy to come in and put us a ton of money to go hire players. It's high ambition to build the infrastructure so that we can bring in better players, and and make their work environments better, and to prove the improve the off structure. The Wanderers TV, with my favorite project, and I'm not telling it because I'm here. But when I'm asked, we're unique. The only one who comes close is my friend at Plymouth, <laughs> who does pretty well. Uh, this vote then, I mean, I got the email from the Trust. Uh, I'm not a legacy member. Uh, what are they voting for? Maybe this is just a question for the Trust, because I saw Kieran Maguire, the, the esteemed uh, lecturer at Liverpool University, who tweets everything about football finance, has got an alert set up. I noticed this morning at half past seven, company's house, £600,000 worth of uh, of money has been converted into shares. But then I see an email saying there's a vote. I don't understand. I don't either. Okay. I'm, I'm, I mean, as close as I can tell, they felt comfortable and all sets of lawyers felt comfortable with, we transferred 600,000 shares of voting stock, which carries with it the right for redemption if there was ever a profit and the like. There is also shares that are called ordinary shares that I own 75%, my company owns 75%. 5% of, they own 25%. The agreement calls for them to transfer the 15 of those 25 to us as well. That's what happened when you guys saw me so upset. I had just been told, well, we have to take that out for a vote. And I said, well, what happens if they vote against it? We don't know.
All right, welcome back to Wickham Sound 106.6 FM and on Radio Player around the world and the Wickham Sound website. Ringing the Blues live with me, Phil Catchpole, and the Wickham Wanderers chairman, Rob Kuhig. Right, earlier on, Andy put in a serious question, but as we've got to know some of the players throughout the year as well, he also wanted to know what your favourite cheese was, Rob. So just one, keep this to a very brief answer. Favourite cheese? Blue. Blue cheese, of course, on mess, on brand. Right, back to the serious business then. Uh, this is from Martin Stevens. He says, I'd just like to say thank you for your positivity and ongoing investment in Wickham Wanderers. He says, are you able to share forward investment projects that will increase revenue, excluding the additional exit road and car park extension? So we've mentioned those, so other ones. I would like to hear your view on automated turnstiles, out-of-season music events, and any further match day improvements. And that's from Martin Stevens. Uh, let's do the one. We would love to do more off-match day events there. Right now, the stadium does, I asked Neil today, 200 other events, little known to me, uh, from weddings to wakes, uh, from uh, birthday parties to days on the pitch. Uh, Use of today, the stadium is being used to film a commercial, or starting today they moved in, and for the next two or three days they're working on doing a ladies' uh, what do you call it, razor blade commercial, which ought to be fairly interesting. Uh, we have, so we probably do 20 days like that, but we'd love to do 50. Um, we are trying at all times to expand that because it's great revenue. It's a, The stadium serves no purpose if it just sits there. And so we, we, we're trying to do that. Uh, automated turnstiles, I'll be honest, up until this moment, I hadn't even considered it, never thought about it. I don't think I've ever gone through a turnstile. So uh, <laughs> because of that, I didn't have the awareness. So I'll talk to Neil and, and see if that's something we should be looking at. And, I'm, and our guys who run our ticketing program. Uh, off day, uh, off pitch sort of enhancements. Uh, I thought Will did a fabulous job for us as our food and beverage guy. But we have gone a little bit more institutional because, in effect, we're running a pop-up restaurant 25 times a year with all the problems of of hiring the right people, having the right stuff. So we're bringing in a new company that there'll be an announcement about in the next week or two that will take over that part of the operation, and I think we'll deliver a a higher-quality product. Uh, we're looking at some some innovative things uh, for making the fans happier. I don't think we presently use our scoreboard and our sound system enough, and I think there's some things we can do to make that better. Uh, and and, and any and look, we're wide open to suggestion uh, on what we can do. I, people may disagree with me, but I think our our sort of value priced ticketing, believe it or not, makes it better. We've taken our best seats. They're almost all sold out by season tickets holders who looked at it and said, I can get the best seat for less money than they would cost me if I wait in line. So it's going to be more of a festive atmosphere that way. Uh, uh, just for transparency as well, Martin has finished his email saying, P.S., no more daytime fireworks, please. So that's another vote against the daytime fireworks. Daytime fireworks. Okay. Look, <laughs> did, let me, did, let me break some it. news here, okay? <laughs> the staff came down against me on daytime fireworks. <laughs> Missy came down against me. Pete's against the daytime fireworks. 
I am holding out for nighttime fireworks. Okay, so it's the end of the daytime fireworks. But if I had a fireworks effects button, I'd be pressing it now. Uh, right, Ian J. Smith has been in contact for a question here, and he says, can the match day programs be brought back? No. It makes no sense economically. It makes no sense other than for the 142 people who either get them free or buy them as a souvenir so that they can bring them home. And as we did as kids, stack them up in your mom's, you know, uh, library or, or kitchen or wherever she would allow you to keep them. I miss them. Matt Cecil did a hell of a job with them, but it was 20 hours a week of his life that we can do other things. And, and to be fair, as they say, if you look on your phone, there it is. You got, instead of just a static page, you've got everything that you would have gotten. Plus, it's done in video form or it's done in an interview or we pick up other stuff. So uh, we may do one more program of such. Um, and I don't know where we are in making this special announcement about one of our players and a special day of his. So we're looking at if we do that special day, we'll, we'll do it. But it, uh, in fairness, it'll be the one-offs and very, very rare one-offs. Okay. So, uh, I mean, let's throw this out as well to, to listeners as well, maybe for today as well or, or, or down the line if you want to come and chat to us at the club. What would you like to see that we're not providing information-wise that you were getting in the programme? I mean, I don't want to blow my own trumpet here, but Ringing the Blues comes out every week during the season. It's free. I think it was £3, £3.50 for a match day programme. So we're hopefully giving you a lot of information in that. The website as well contains everything as well. I know not everybody's online. I know not everybody does uh, um, can get on the internet or, to, or listen to podcasts, etc. But I think Rob has answered the question in terms of producing a physical programme. Is this going to lose the club money? Which hopefully I think most of our fans will, will agree they don't want to see happening. And but, if you listen to Ringing the Blues, you also get a Spanish lesson. Well, exactly. Which you never got in the program. And to my knowledge, no, we didn't. But there we are. But let us know if there's something that we're not including in uh, in our offering right across the board that we're missing that was in the program. We'd love to hear you and get it in there as well. Uh, right, let's move on. Next question, Callum Wright. Will there be any changes made to the Frank Adams stand to improve the experience of home fans when away fans occupy the end seats? And that's Callum Wright. I don't know if I'm going to satisfy him or not. We went to that configuration because it was the safest, best way for us to maximize our stadium because it's infuriating to see empty seats when we know they can be filled. The players will tell you they love the atmosphere. Uh, they would prefer it to be filled with our fans, but fans nonetheless filling it up by by giving more people, and we started this today, you're able to move your season tickets, and you could get those same seats, but in a better seat, so you're not off to the side. Uh, and, and we will, I think by and large, it worked out. It's Look, it's a little disconcerting, and I have to say, as an American, I'm not quite used to this segregation of the crowds quite so much. I'm used to going to a ball game and I stand up and cheer for the New Orleans Saints and the idiot next to me is for the Atlanta Falcons. We don't break into fights. Well, sometimes, <laughs> but not not much. And when you're able to enjoy the experience, and I think our fans by and large will, and we're not dealing with much of a hooligan aspect anymore. 
and we have the world's, I think, one of the finest security forces out there, and we've taken appropriate steps. So, uh, sorry, no. Uh, at the time, the challenge was to Wiccan fans, look, you know, you're happy to sell, you'll be more than happy to sell the seats to Wiccan fans. In fact, that's what you want to do. Absolutely, and, and we still will offer that opportunity, but when... One of the things that, that's going to be slightly different, Phil, when we get, and the ticketing guys who do a tremendous job, when we get the fixture list, shortly after we get the fixture list and we look at it and see if there's any adjustments that need to be made, you should be able to buy your ticket for any game within two weeks of the fixture list coming out. So if you desperately want to go see, um, name one of the clubs, uh, I don't know, um, Stevenage at home. And if they turn out to be in April, the fact that it's not going to be till April is not going to prevent you from buying your ticket um, sometime in July. Okay, that's a good development as well. Right, next question. Uh, Rob, you mentioned empty seats, but surely the easiest way uh, of filling those is local marketing, engaging with schools, etc. Says I have a plethora of ideas. If you want to talk, and that's from Dan on Twitter. Always willing to talk, and and Dan's right. One of the things that I have met again, and I, I, I try not to spread our dirty laundry anywhere, but a frustrating part for me is that I think we could do infinitely more of getting into the community. We have great speakers. We have people who can speak as players, as coaches, as broadcasters, as executives, as people who are talking about the new merchandise, who can just give you the overall fan experience. And so if there is an organization out there that would like to have somebody from Wickham show up, I always use the Rotary Club because they're such a fantastic organization. And they consume speakers because they meet once a week and they want to have a speaker. And if it's in Beaconsfield or, uh, or High Wickham or Marlowe, we're there and we'll provide it. If you got a Christian or, or whatever religion and you have a dad's club or a mom's club or whatever, let us know. And you want a speaker. It's free. You know, how often do you get free entertainment? <laughs> well, here we go. Uh, right, so if you're listening to this, Dan, thanks very much for, for tweeting in just now. That was a live tweet. Uh, if you're listening to this and you think, hell, I want, I want a Wickham Wanderer speaker to wherever I am, based on my organisation, wherever, then get in contact with the club, media at www.fc.com. We'd love to hear from you. Right, the next question is from Jeremy J. Hay. He says, my question is this. If we want Wickham to be a family club, why do the board allow such foul language from the terraces? I understand the occasional F, but the C word is only ever heard at Wickham. Are you going to do anything about stopping it or just ignore it? Well, we won't ignore it. Um, and I think, in fairness, the product, it got worse this year. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's a coarseness that is being wrought within our civilization writ large or if something happened down there. Look, the, the, I, I call them I, our friendly terrorist. Uh, if you sit in the terrace, you're a terrorist. Uh, and they tell me I have to learn to pronounce it correctly. Uh, but they're kind of the heart and soul of the club in a lot of ways. When they're down there, and, and the players will tell you, they can feel it when there's that bouncing going on and there's that they sucking the ball in or they're repelling it with their energy. 
Uh, it's we we had issues with a drummer who incessantly drummed off beat, which is hard to do if it's a drum, but still proving that the unlikely is possible. Uh, and he's a terrific guy, except he just wouldn't work within the, the confines. Um, we have a group that came in, a sort of younger group that somehow found themselves to be fascinated by using language that's inappropriate. And look, I use, I, I kid sometimes, I have modified Tourette's when I get upset. But uh, the, these languages are just not appropriate in the area of other people. Forget about whether it's families or not. You shouldn't use the language. So I think we will look to take a, a harsher attitude towards it. Uh, have our security people think about how to deal with it because we don't want your idea of fun ruining five other people's idea of how to how to live. I, I think as well, it's slightly disingenuous to say this is just a problem at Wickham Wanderers. I mean, I've, I go to home and away uh, and even from the relatively shelter of, of the press box, I can absolutely guarantee you uh, the C word is not only used at Wickham, it's been, it's been used at me a few times when I was at uh, our friends at Derby County. <laughs> So, well, uh, you know, they passed on to me orally and then occasionally in writing a few choice words. But yeah, but I love the guy from Derby who every once in a while, about every two or three weeks, he'll go on some aspect of uh, social media and say, good morning, everybody, except Rob Cooey. <laughs> Well, that's, that's what it's all about, isn't it? A bit of fun as right. well. But yeah, it can cross the line. Uh, we're, we're obviously talking about the Wickham Wanderers' uh, response to it. Um, but while we're talking about the terrorists, uh, this is just for me, really. I mean, I was uh, a terrorist dweller uh, for many a year. Um, a lot of fans have said the atmosphere has gone this past season. Why is that? And what can the club do to make that better? I'm not sure. Uh, Amy and, and uh, Ben and Ryan, the two... Uh, Ticketing gurus and I were sitting there today and yesterday because it is a big concern. How do we get it back? And so one of the things that we're considering is trying to really push to sell it out with season tickets. Uh, these only 1,400 spots, about 700 are already in that season ticket mode. Uh, what can we do to promote? If you have a season ticket, you get your mate to get one. I, of course, because it's me, came up with some ridiculous ideas. Uh, if they sell it out as a collective, uh, that we would get every member of the Borg a uh, bucket hat uh, and and let them take the field in the first game and walk out of the players' entrance and take their their place uh, in the terrace and, and give them each the bumper sticker for their car that says, very simply, I stand with Wickham. All the time. Okay. Right. So some ideas out there and we're willing to listen to more. Okay. More ideas to get the terrorists jumping, let us know. 01494 is the phone. And you can WhatsApp on that number as well or at Wickham Sound on Twitter. Uh, right. Next question is from William Henley. Uh, he says, first of all, thanks for all you've done for Wickham Wanderers Football Club. What do you think... Oh, it's just my screen's just moved. Here we go. What do you think is most important characteristic in a signing, personality-wise? Obviously, football ability speaks for itself. So what are, you, what are we looking for in terms of our new players? Uh, it's a question that was asked today of Matt, and I was pleased that both of us came up with our answers independently and virtually the same. We look for solid character. We don't, even if, 
we would be willing to trade, and fortunately we haven't had to do this, some level of talent for a person who is going to be of high character. And let me define what I mean by high character. We've seen it. Uh, whether it's a Mometti or a Vokes, getting in early and working hard, getting in early and understanding that you're part of a team even though you're an individual, getting in there and helping your mate out even as he challenges for your job, getting out there and understanding at night you have an obligation to the club the next day, um, and, and really... Missy and I talk about it. One of the great things about the Wickham Club is all of these guys that we have met through our four years with it are people that you would look around and say proudly, hey, that kid turned out all right. If one of our sons was like that, it would be okay. Uh, and and so it's a, it's a character thing for me, strong character, a belief in self, and a belief in helping others. Right, one final question before we hit the ads. Uh, what are the short and long-term plans for the Chairboys Village? Any plans for more merchandise focused on individual players like T-shirts and hats? And uh, we've uh, and there is one here. Is it easier working in the US or, or here in getting things done regarding the Football League and Bucks Council of Equivalents? So I think we've covered that one. Uh, so let's just go with the, the Chairboys Village and merchandise. Well, the Chairboys Village will be a function of our new food and beverage people. We own the huge marquee where people uh, congregate to have beers before the game, and, the, and we're, we've already signed up some of the food vendors for the parking lot for next year. Y'all don't call it a parking lot. It, sorry. Car park. Car park. I'll uh, let you off that one. Right. Uh, <laughs> one thing that will be better next year is for those in the Frank Adams stand, there's going to be an aggressive effort to make the experience better in the concourse both in the food and beverage area, we'll be setting up a, uh, uh, a pop-up um, merchandise store up there. So when you come to the game, you don't have to go all the way down and get your merchandise and the like. You'll be able to do it there. We are looking at one of the things with our new uh, uh, merchandise supplier is that we'll be able to bring in different and varied stuff. So we're looking forward to that. Well, that was Claire Cooling there with that, that question. Right, stick around. Okay, welcome back to Ringing the Blues Live with me, Phil Catchpole, joined in the studio by Wickham Wanderers Chairman Rob Kuhig. Uh, Rob, very quick, uh, we, I promised Dan Lacey that we would ask you this because this gets asked to all the, the players on No Mean Knowing Blues. Would you rather fight a bear sized duck or 10 duck sized bears? Short answer, please. Duck. Um, look, bears are trouble, man. They rip your face off. They'll eat your face. Cute little panda bears are after you. Don't want anything to do with a bear. Only good bear in history. Two of them. Yogi and uh, Boo Boo. Gentle Ben? I'm not a big Gentle Ben fan. I okay. thought it was a little bit of a, of a make-believe. Fair enough. Unlike those bears from Jellystone. Okay, right. Dan, we got the question in. I promised we would. Right, let's go to the phones. Uh, hopefully, if this fader goes up. Luke, are you there, Luke? Good evening. Uh, yeah, I'm here. Right. Luke, you're through to the chairman. What, what would you like to ask him? Uh, hello, Rob. You described Bloomfield as doing a masterful job since taking over. And I just want to know how you can say that after we went from winning six out of seven games under Ainsworth to getting six, only 16 points in the next 15 games under Bloomfield. Well, it's a fair question. I, I say he did a masterful job because anybody who tries to replace a legend is fighting uphill. 
Secondly, we had some injuries that were uh, very hurtful to our cause. Uh, the third thing is, is that, you know, fairness, losing Annis was going to come back and haunt us at some point, and it did. And yet, and yet, up until the week before, we were still somewhat in the hunt. And remember that the top six scored, I think, the highest point score virtually of any time. Well, certainly, I don't have a long history, but in 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 history, you had Sheffield Wednesday missing the playoffs with a phenomenal high amount of points. So, look, it's, it, I say he did a masterful job because I watched the way he worked with the players in difficult circumstances, made hard decisions, began to subtly help the club improve for next year. And um, look, to each his own, I'm going to be a big, big Matt supporter. Uh, and I don't, I'm probably a little different than most. I never look at an individual game or series of games uh, as a clue as to how he's going. I watch what he's doing, and I'm very, very happy with him. Luke, thank you very much for the call. Right, let's move on to line two. And Roger, good evening, Roger. How are you doing? Uh, yes, I'm fine, thank you. Rob, uh, good evening. Uh, can you tell me the thinking of awarding our players a one-year contract and does that mean at the end of next season all our players will be out of contract? No, and, and, and Roger, great question, incidentally. I think sometimes because it is not our habit to tell the details of contractual negotiations or even sign contracts with our players, that people are misunderstanding of the contractual arrangements we make with players. Depending on the age of the player, depending on what we see as his long-term uh, potential with the club, we may sign him for a two-year deal, three-year deal. I am never a big one on more than two or three years, to be candid. Uh, I, I think that people get into long-term com- contractual arrangements. It's hard for most to keep their focus. Not all, but most. And so, yeah, uh, I, I got a kick out of it a little bit during the spring when there was all the speculation going around. What about this guy? What about that guy? And I knew that they were all on the contract. Um, but people extrapolate from little bits of fact into the wrong direction. Um, the other thing I would say on a more general philosophical nature, we always want to be in a position where we can move on and move upward if we find uh, a person who better serves the needs of the club. So um, it's not a it's not a perfect system, but I'm pretty happy with it. Thank you for the call, Roger. Right, uh, we've got the time for some more. If you want to phone in, 01494 We'll look on Twitter as well and on socials. Lots of you getting in contact via Twitter and WhatsApp as well. Let's bang through as many of these as we can before uh, we hit the top of the hour. Uh, Rob, how would you assess the uh, success of the development squad so far and what are the plans for it going forward? Uh, that's from Taylor on Twitter. I, I think that's been one of our biggest success stories on the pitch. Uh, remember that when Pete and I started talking about having a developmental squad, there was still a group that said, oh, no, what you really need is an academy, which was a huge, huge capital investment from which you were not likely to ever get anything. Or if you did, it was going to be six, eight years down the road. We thought that by taking this approach, and, and we're can, and we kind of stole it from others, but uh, 
we would see success. Annis Mometti came through that. Annis contributed to us piling up valuable points. He was he had a chance to move on because he proved himself. And and look, I'm going to tell you about Annis, and I say this to all the other guys. First guy in the gym every day, last guy out every night, because he wanted to succeed. And so he succeeded, and he was entitled to move on. It wasn't the worst day in the history of Wickham football when he moved on because we got a pretty penny for it. Uh, you watch Chris Farino, another developmental squad guy. Uh, Christy, um, what's his last name? Uh, uh, Christy Ward. Ward coming up this year. Keep an eye on him. Young Jasper, keep an eye on him. There And there's going to be two or three new ones this year. That's the Sam Grace component. And we have the benefit that our senior players, they have separate dressing rooms, but it's sort of a... It's a graduation almost if you get to move from the developmental squad to the first team. And, but I've seen you guys are very helpful to these guys, showing them what to play. Imagine if you're an 18-year-old guy and you get to play with, uh, with Sam Vokes and, and Gareth McCleary. These are big-time football players. The lessons that they teach them, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch, about how to conduct yourself as a professional. And, and so it's come back in... And it's been financially a success and on the pitch a success. We're putting more effort into it. Uh, we're dividing up our recruiting so that we'll have recruiting more first-string players, first-team players. But uh, Sam Vokes, I mean, excuse me, Sam Grace is going to have uh, all he can say grace over uh, in terms of bringing in y- young kids. Right, back to the phones. Ben, welcome to Ringing the Blues. What would you like to say? Yo, right, Phil. Evening, Rob. Hey, um, just a quick one. Is uh, is there definitely a testimonial in line for Joe Jacobson? And if so, any any thoughts on dates and teams we'd play against? Mm, mm. I don't know how to answer this because I'm not supposed to answer it. Um, but if I wink with my right eye, it means yes. Okay, can you see me? I, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I suspect if there is one, uh, Matt Cecil will be out with an announcement within the next week or two. Uh, you'll be very, very excited about who we would be playing. Uh, what country is is he from? He's from Wales. Oh, okay. So it'd probably be a good idea to get one of those clubs in uh, to be part of the testimonial, huh? How many of them are there? Two? Rob, I'm going to get you out of trouble. Here. <laughs> uh, ben, is, is JJ one of your best favorite players? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He is one of mine, I can tell you. And what a leader and what... A servant to the club. I mean, I, they had to explain to me, Ben, what this whole testimonial business was about. I, I was confused. Why does a guy get a game in his, his honor? But, you know, he's been there for 10 years, and so that's pretty good. And I'm asking Matt the other day, what's going on with this? And Matt told me he had his in 2014, which just tells you how long he's been around this club. Exactly. Ben, yeah, a long time ago, yeah. Ben, thank you for your call. Thanks for your support. Uh, back to the phones. And Tara, are you there? Is it Tara or Taras? Oh, that'd be so Nakalo still. How are you? Hello, Rob. It's uh, Taras. And that's a boy's name. Tara's a girl's name, as you know. Oh, I thought uh, they might have missed anyway. out. I'm sorry, are you a terrorist? Taras. Taras, that's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Taras, what would you like to say to Rob? Uh, first of all, first, I just want to say both to thank you uh, for your commitment to the club. It's absolutely terrific, you know. And uh, I really, it's a, it's a kind of personal question for both of you in a way. I love Pete Coohig's energy. Are we going to see more of him? 
can we get him on the terrace to play a harp just to sort of sort out the drummer boy's melodic instruments? I mean, uh, what do you think? Are we going to see more Pete Kohig or not? Uh... I don't know, and it's not that he doesn't desperately want to be here. Pete's first obligation is as a husband and a father. He's got three kids, one of whom just graduated literally at the top of her university class. Well done. Congratulations. His second, uh, second child is a son who the anticipation was would be playing football here in England. Uh, and the rules uh, and was accepted at several pro academy uh, upper echelon for 18, 19-year-old kids, uh, but was not allowed to play because of his uh, uh, status as an uh, American citizen who did not qualify under the more stringent English rules that now exist. And then the third child is a son who's a uh, 16-year-old boy who's a great soccer player as well back at home and, again, was not eligible to play here. So it ripped Pete apart to be separated from his family. He gave us yeoman service, particularly during COVID when he was here. Uh, I always kid, he may be my favorite nephew out of 11. He want to know if that was still true now that he's not here all the time. But uh, he, he, he brings an energy everywhere he goes. He and his father have been super successful in their businesses. Um, one of the reasons I've been coming over a bit more is to try and fill that gap. But Pete and I are very different cats. He's, uh, he's got an energy level that's very, very high. Well, we, as a fan, I just enjoy it when he's around. That's all I can say. So uh, if you can I have a word... Although it's wonderful that you actually knew more about his uh, children than where he was. Uh, you know, it'd be great. <laughs> it'd be right. great to see him again. I will pass that on. Taris, thanks very much. Th- right thanks for your support, mate, and thanks for the call. Uh, we've got another call coming in. For, uh, well, Marcus, hold the line. Marcus will be with you shortly. Uh, let's go to Twitter. Uh, and actually, this would be a good one for Pete if he was here. Any plans to dip into the American market? There will be some bargains there, and especially with their physical attributes. Uh, obviously, you're a great I, I, advantage of that, Rob. A great example of that. A league one would suit if they can kick it. <laughs> well, here's the deal. Uh, That's again, Josh, by the way. It's me. it's a problem, Josh, with getting the right work permits, and they, there is a, I think, a short sightedness on the part of the British government and its limitation, and and on the part of the English uh, FA or whatever it is that doesn't want as many foreign players in the English football leagues and leagues one and two in particular, those kids and those people would do well here. They would provide a better uh, competition for the young Brits who would become better as a result. I will say this, though, that we, are, we have a signing as a, um, as a developmental squad player from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, He's a terrific player. He came over and tried out, and, and Matt and those guys liked him enough that he'll be over here, and he gets to come play because his mom's a bread. There we go. Well, I hope that answers your question. Uh, I do believe we've been given license to continue uh, into the next hour for a little bit. If you, Who if do I go to to get paid around here? Uh, uh, we'll, we'll Wait, I'll tell you what it is. We've got to sell more commercials. <laughs> uh, 
Go uh, ahead. It means we're not going to have the news. Uh, news is overrated at the moment. It's just depressing. So we'll I can tell you some of the news. You want to hear <laughs> Rob's view on the news? You know, I used to do this. People used to queue up for hours to ask me questions on the news. That but could, go ahead. That could be another show together. But I'll tell you what will be more entertaining. Let's get Marcus on the phone. Marcus, how are you? Welcome to Ringing the Blues. What would you like to say? Hey, Phil. Hey, Rob. Hey. Um, question, question on um, pre-season friendlies. Are there any planned, uh, other than the testimonial you, you hinted on, um, I guess just potential revenue opportunity for the club and also kind of a uh, chance to, to see the team in action before the league? Uh, the, the answer is, other than the potential testimonial uh, that we've discussed, there won't be another one at Adams Park because we are next week ripping up the grounds as we try and do every year to put in a brand new uh, grass for the new year, make sure it's in pristine shape. Uh, we're going to have to add grow lights this year because of the, the deal with the trust not getting finished till so late, we weren't able to do what we had planned on doing which is a complete uh, redo of the deal. The good news is there will be two or three other friendlies relatively close by that you'll be able to get to and see the boys. Um, Against, uh, I I guess I should, one of the things, and I guess Matt doesn't want me coming on these radio shows is because I just spill everything I'm not supposed to. Uh, But there will be a few more uh, friendlies you'll be able to get to in easy driving distance. Marcus, uh, Marcus, does that answer the question? It does. Look forward to it. Thank you. Good stuff. Thank you for the call. Right back onto Twitter. Steve on Twitter. Would it be rude to ask? about yes. what, what we're looking Don't at. Don't ask another thing. <laughs> Would it be rude to ask about what we're looking at in terms of squad investment in the summer? Is that a financial figure after this, Steve? I probably think it is. Yeah, well, let me say this. The correlation between success and failure in our league, a lot of clubs misunderstand it. Now, Ipswich, by far, the biggest spender and had a club that did very, very well. Sheffield Wednesday in the top two or three is a club that is on the verge of either getting their goal and being promoted or exploding it in their face, which would be tragic because they'll blame everybody but, but the fate of the ball hitting the wrong way. Uh, so there's a tendency to pay too much. I look at Plymouth. They were mid-table or lower in their spending and they came in first. So we're not going to be chasing investment just to say, hey, we spent 17 million pounds or even 7 million pounds. We'd like to limit our investment to a reasonable return. Matt and I have had the discussions. Will spending this money make it more likely to bring in more points or not? That's our only analysis. And we're not going to use a crutch of saying, well, everybody else wants to pay this guy 8,000 pounds a week. Therefore, he must be the best for that. Okay, back to Twitter. And this is from Russell Cox. And uh, this has got your your least favourite word in, by the way, Rob. Uh, Would you consider offering discounted, say 20% off, 12-game tickets for people who can't commit to season tickets but want to commit to a certain number of games? No. Fair enough. Okay. (laughs) There's the answer to that one, Russ. Uh, I I mean, I can tell you why. Look... When you go chasing things, 
I have never been convinced that it, what sort of discount would you want? 20%? So on 12 games, I'm giving you two games free. Uh, people, I don't know that there's ever been any correlation study that proves that by discounting a ticket price for over 12 games by 20% will produce 10% more sales, which would make up for that deficit. Uh, I, I know it's easy. It's sort of like people always say, why don't you just give away the tickets and make up for it in concessions? Because you can't. Uh, and so, no. Uh, we do have a season ticket package that is phenomenal and and how relatively inexpensive it makes the best seats in the house. Uh, right, we did miss a season ticket question earlier, but we're going to go back to this now. Now we've got that extra time. Thank you, Colin, by the way, for allowing us to uh, to crash your show. Uh, would it be fair to say that one of the less obvious factors in the team falling away at the end of the season was the loss of some seriously larger-than-life characters in the dressing room who were respected slash influential and weren't really replaced? Are there any plans to address this cornerstone of our successful recent past with a new version of, of that general system, I guess, is what they're getting at here? Uh, that also reflects the new boss's aspirations. That's from uh, from friend of the show, Nigel Rowland. You know, I didn't I never bought into the easy explanation. Oh, well, we were losing Akin Fenwa. Oh, we 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 lost so and so and he was a big influential part of the club as being the reason that we quote fell away a the truest thing i've ever heard about english football is the table never lies and when you look at our success and i think we were successful we as nearly as i can tell it was either the fourth or fifth best finish in the club's history at ninth in the league. We fell back because at the end of the day, over our last four or five games, we didn't put it together as well as we could because of various injuries and and, and the like. If uh, I'm trying to think if it was at Fleetwood that we went up and Sam got hurt because he was forced to play on a dreadful field. And when we lost him, I think we lost a little bit of the oomph. But it wasn't for lack of character in the in the dressing room. Uh, in my estimation. Rob, is a, this is a very good question here and it sounds to me like a bit of a challenge. This is from Dan on Twitter. It says, I will renew my season ticket if Rob confirms chips for next season. Can you confirm that? In or out of the park? How about, how about out in the parking lot? Are we okay with them out in the parking lot? So you say yes to outside in the, par- in the car park. Yeah, car park, car park, car park. Car park. <laughs> uh, but inside the stadium, is that a no? I don't know. Uh, a lot depends on the on the new uh, food and beverage provider. I will say this, Phil, not to let the secret out, but there's going to be some things that the new food and beverage people bring in that will warm your heart because I've heard you talk about it before on air. It's not like me to mention food when I'm at the cold <laughs> football ground, surely. <laughs> Dan, I'm not sure if that's the answer you want, but we've definitely got chips in the car park. Uh, will we have chips in the stadium next season? Well, I'm, I, I'm, I think we'll find out soon enough. Uh, Dan, hopefully you renew your season ticket anyway. That was enough to do that. Uh, right, Erling on Twitter. Rob, I've been critical of the poor atmosphere at Adams Park Terrace since the banning of the drum. Is there any plans in place to improve the atmosphere? Uh, how about bringing back rocking all over the world after the game? That would be a good start. 
I got no no opposition to rocking all over the world. After I think, I think one of the things is we we want to build that community in the terrace section. I want all my terrorists there and available for every game. I want to fill it, and I think when you're filled like that, it brings its own excitement. Now, one of the reasons it's a special place is that it generates its own commentary of the game its own songs, its own chants, its own cheers. And for us to come in there and sort of artificially do it, we could do it, but I don't know that that's necessary. One of the things that Neil and I have been looking at, Neil Peters, is can, can we help with the acoustics of it, as shockingly as that sounds? It bothers me how loud the visiting section is compared to ours, even though we may have seven times as many people. Okay, right. Uh, phone lines are still open. 01494 We're working through the questions out from social media. We'll, we'll, we'll crack through these next few ones, and then if there's no more calls, we'll call it a day. Um, this is Jamie on Twitter. It says, The terrace has its, has its well-reported issues, as, as we have been discussing. Uh, wouldn't it be easier just to knock it down and put in a new seated home end, like the away stand, for example? This would go towards solving the atmosphere issue, and it's easier to police for antisocial behaviour from a small minority. Jamie on Twitter, what do you reckon i think she's spot on or he's spot on it's one of those names i'm not sure which way to go but regardless of which way to go it's the answer uh it's high on my list of priorities of going back to a question that was raised early hours in this uh deal was why the decision to move forward to acquire more of the i want to bring in outside investors who will help us to capitalize the build-out of the new uh, stand there. That's our first priority is to rebuild the terrorist section so that it is much more vertical, closer to the pitch, and better acoustically and probably grow by 400 people. It will have some seats and the like, but mostly, mostly standing. Uh, On that issue then, Hayden says, any news on on the potential new stand that would replace the terrace in the future. It's been mentioned in the past, along with the access road as well. He says he has an idea here. The area itself doesn't give way for any huge redevelopment, but maybe potentially using the natural hill uh, behind it, a bit like FC Braga have done with their stadium being in a quarry. Well, uh, we would have to get uh, Sir Edward Dashwood's approval to use his uh, hill, and (laughs) I don't see that coming. The one thing he's told me is he doesn't want us to go over the hill. Uh, You know, the Frank Adams stand is built into the hill, and so he's absolutely right. But there is more room than people realize. In my estimation, the in-stand is too far away from the pitch on both sides. So we have already had our our people who are doing the, the initial site work and sketch work look at dragging the pitch probably five yards closer to the away end, which will put them on it, and then dragging our end, or the, the end nearest the terrace, probably another 10 yards closer to the away end. That'll give us another 25 feet in which to build the new uh, and enhanced stand for that area. Uh, it, it's one of those things that excites me. Uh, when when I got asked, I guess in the past week, if I would sell my interest in the club, 
One of the things I didn't want to do is sell it while that's not yet built because I think that's going to change the place remarkably. And it will have the effect of, A, helping with those fans and creating the atmosphere that they've been talking about. But when you have that strong home, end zone, terraced section, standing, chanting, cheering, it makes the whole place more vibrant. And when that's more vibrant, you're more likely to buy tickets in the Frank Adams stand because while you don't want to stand with all those terrorists, you do want to be part of the atmosphere. And then it will allow us to do the the third phase, which is to take the origin stand, formerly known as the pre-Santa stand, formerly known as the Beach Dean stand, and formerly known as something like that. Uh, But we're going to make it much more vertical and bring it closer to the the field and put in more suites. Now, those two things rely on significant capital investment. We're looking at how to do that now in time. And... None of that is possible until we get the road thing fixed. Uh, the, the municipality or governmental agency won't allow us to have... We, when I bought the stadium, another point of contention between me and the, and the uh, trust is they told me it was a 10,000-person stadium. It's not. We're not allowed to have more than 9,250 people in because there is a concern over the exit. Understandable concern. So we need to get that road so we can do these improvements to those two stands. If you do that, you have the potential of having a 12,000-seat stadium that's literally state-of-the-art in many, many ways. Easily the stadium that they had down at Bournemouth, or better, as good as the stadium that they have at, at Brentford, dare I say it, much better than the stadium they have at Luton, uh, and, and it would give us everything we need to be a club that's first class. The challenge for Wickham Wanderers is getting the local entities to believe in themselves. Uh, you may remember, Phil, when I first came down, made my first presentation to the assembled uh, group, and they asked me what my ambition was. I said I wanted to be in the championship, and half of them laughed, and the other half thought I was crazy. But I didn't understand why that wouldn't be your ambition. To me, if you do all of those things, now you should be in the championship every year. And if you're in the championship every year, you only have one other place to go. Just to reiterate on something you said, I think it may have been a slip of the tongue. You said when you... You bought the stadium, you meant when you bought your invest yeah. in the club. Fair enough, yeah, because I don't own the stadium. The trust still owns the stadium. I think the phone might melt if you said you bought the stadium. But Well, <laughs> let me say this. I thought it was foolish not to sell us the stadium. Everybody in the trust would have gotten several thousand dollars back. They could have protected the trust and the, and the stadium and the club. But uh, in their wisdom, they chose not to pursue that. Right, one last question on the stadium. This comes from Liam. He says, I was wondering if there was any update on improving the disabled supporters' experience next season before any new stands are developed. Yeah. Uh, Neil and I are working frantically on that. The thing that has offended me about our stadium for the disabled supporters is that they have habitually been seated in the first row of the Frank Adams stand on the drip line of all places. It's the one nastiest spot in the place. So we're working at changing that. Okay, watch this space. Uh, Right, uh, Dom, 
Uh, is there going to be any changes to Wanderers TV next season? Got to get the new voice. We've got to get a new guy. <laughs> yeah, oh, wait, wait, did I just go ahead and <laughs> say it out loud? Now, uh, let me say this. We are beginning a transition uh, that I think will be exciting for, for people who watch Wanderers TV. Wanderers TV has been unequivocally one of the great successes of our tenure with the club. When we first came up with it and suggested it, most people didn't think it would work. Phil, with, and this is not salary negotiation time, so don't get yourself all excited. <laughs> but bringing you on board has made a lot of difference. I'll give our fans some indication. Uh, when we started 18 months ago or less, we had zero revenue from it. Today it is its own standalone uh, profitability pot that throws money towards us being able to hire and get better players. Uh, it is growing every day because we do a great job, Phil and them do a great job of selling it. Matt and his crew do it, Amy with the social media, because we're always pushing it. Because to my mind, Wickham TV, Wanderers TV, is how we differentiate ourselves from other smaller clubs. Uh, the new TV, radio, media package that the EFL has just done, I think is uh, a double-edged sword for our clubs like us. 85% of the clubs had not jumped on the streaming opportunity the way we did. Uh, when we go to the new package, we will, in effect, lose some of the advantage. We'll, we'll, we'll get the easy money that we're presently getting the hard way by working with Wanderers TV locally on the streaming. Uh, but we'll lose the opportunity to broadcast more of our games on our own streaming when that happens, at least domestically. The things that we've been working about is coming up with more unique content because the name of the game is content. Uh, whether it's more of uh, ringing the blues or the post-game shows, more live activity, uh, more follow the players, that great series that the station came up with this year uh, with that young lady asking the players questions that Phil might not have thought of because, after all, they weren't football questions, you know, and, and the like. I think right now, and Phil, you tell me if I'm wrong, on an average week, in addition to the game, we may have two hours of content. I think by this time next year, I will be very disappointed if we're not at six to eight hours, such that you want to buy Wanderers TV, even if we don't put our games on it. Well, I better get editing a bit quicker, wouldn't I? <laughs> uh, just a little little trailer while we're at yeah. it for Wanderers TV. Coming up uh, uh, this week, uh, we got the first part of our season review uh, featuring the Kuhigs as well as uh, a few other surprises in there, as well as uh, recapping all of the action and talking points for the season. That's going to be done over many parts throughout the summer. Plus, we've also got a look back on the 30th anniversary of Wickham Wanderers marching into the Football League. We hear from Martin O'Neill, Keith Scott and also Andy Kerr as part of that as well. So if you're a Wickham fan of a certain age, you might get a little misty-eyed at that. And if you're a younger Wickham fan, it's a great way to discover some history about how we got into this uh, wonderful football league. Or if you're an older fan but new to Wickham, because there are a lot of people in the United States of America who had never heard of High Wickham until 
that fateful day. We are a broad church here at, at Wickham White. <laughs> Rob, do not get yourself in trouble on this question because Matt will probably cut your fingers off. Uh, who's the new kit supplier, please, says John on Twitter. Do not answer that question, otherwise <laughs> I will be in trouble. But is there any indication as to when we might know? Next week. Um, we, we, we are having a fabulous opportunity to unload a lot of the O'Neill stuff this Saturday if you come in and I think if you buy more than 25 bucks worth uh, or pounds worth, you get to do the player experience, enter, exit through the tunnel, take a shot on goal, have your photo taken. I don't know if the photo's being taken, if your mom can take a picture of you, but there'll be an opportunity to go out on the pitch and do it. After that, early the following week, and I'm trying to keep track of dates in my mind, Phil, we had originally thought about doing it around the 28th or 29th, probably going to be that first week in July we'll make the announcement of who the who the new kit manufacturer is uh, we'll begin showing uh, pictures of it either that day or two days later because we're we're still internally arguing do you do both announcements the same day or do you get a bigger kick out of saying here's who's going to do it cooing uh, clothing manufacturers our new product line or and here's a picture of the kit, or do we do them both on the same day? Matt, Julie, Neil, you, the rest of the game will make that decision. But it, So we're on a Monday night here, Tuesday night. Within two weeks, I would think all of that will be out the bag. Right, John, sit tight, watch this space. Uh, it'll be exciting times for everyone. New kits always are. Uh, right, Gary, uh, this could be the last question, in fact. And it's a, it's a very good question as, as well. Uh, this may have already been asked. It hasn't. That's why we're putting it at the end. Is there any appetite to increase our presence in the town and other local towns, Aylesbury's, etc.? We used to have the shop, but now you wouldn't even know there was a football team in the area, says Gary. Um, yeah, there is. Uh we want, we want to do it the right way. We talked earlier in the program about getting more speakers out. And let me remind you, if your organization would like somebody from Wickham to come by and talk about the organization, talk about the football, talk about the integration within the community, talk about the necessity for a new road, talk about why the new road's a bad idea. We have people who will go out and meet with you and your group. Uh, we are in the radio station here right across from the center of town. Uh, there's always been a, a discussion about whether we should have a shop in there. Frankly, the cost is prohibitive, but I know Neil is looking at doing, we, we brought it in some players and some stuff for a weekend to help a charity, and it was a great success. We'll probably do more sort of pop-up sort of things. One of the things we saw at the end of the season, the posters for the final four games uh, around the town. And, and that's, I guess, where the fans can play their part as well. Because, I mean, obviously, a long, long, long time ago, I used to go and get my hair cut in the barbers on this very street, in fact. How many was. barbers are there in this community? I walked over here, and i got to tell you, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Well, I don't trouble any of them. So. Well, I mean, you and I suffer from the same disability, Phil. <laughs> we don't need a barber as much as others. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. But there must have been 500 separate barbershops. But I remember when I, used to, when I used to get my hair cut, we used to sit and talk about football. Right. So if you get your hair cut in Wickham, can we supply posters for games for fans to go and put in their local barbershop? That's just come off the top of my bald head. Yeah, why not? I don't know of any reason why not. Right, let's do that. Fans get involved. Chip shops as well. They're a good one. I still use those. What is a chip shop? 
We'll take you to one after this, Rob. <laughs> uh, Rob, we've we've kept you longer than we said we would. Yes, you did. This was your idea because you're a fan of radio, right? I love radio. I think radio is one of the great mediums because you get to talk to people, you get to listen to people all at the same time, and it gets to be part of this community. One of the things I am very, very happy with is our relationship with with one Wickham Sound and it's, it's guys, they do a tremendous job. And let me just say this, it's a local community radio station, and if you're looking for somebody to help out, why not help out your local community radio station? They can use it, we're gonna do more to try and help them out, because they do a lot for this community. And, and they didn't ask me to make the pitch, I'm just telling you, I watch these guys, they do a great job, and it helps build. You know, all those people say, why don't we do more in the terrace? What we need to do is understand a community exists and it, it finds its voice in various places, whether it's its local radio station or at the football deal. Uh, my only criticism of, of High Wickham in the Wickham area is I sometimes think there's not enough of an understanding of its potential. And if there was more of a desire to be great, it would be great. There we go. Wickham Sound as well, instrumental in what we do with Wanderers TV on a match day, getting that audio out to production companies and syncing it up with your match feeds as well. Um, uh, and the Wickham Wanderers show on a Thursday during the season. And they let us do things like this. Rob, I'd love to do this again. Would you be up for it? Yeah, yeah. And, and let me ask you if I can do this because I flew in. It took me 20 hours to get in. I've been here for 36 hours and I'm going home tomorrow, another 20 hours in the air. Can we do the next one where I'm sitting at home and you're sitting here? I'll tell you what, if you can sort your internet out, Rob. Oh, uh, don't bring that. Elon Musk brings me my internet, my friend. Well, you could do it. Have, have <laughs> I wonder what he's Elon. doing with the war. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, we'll do this again. So we can, you didn't even have to be in Wickham, we can do this. Yeah. Okay, if fans want more of Rob, we can also get other people from the club as well on as well. Let's make this a bit of a regular thing. Uh, Rob, thank you. Great to see you as ever. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who's uh, phoned in, has, uh, has emailed in, has WhatsApp, texted, tweeted, however you've done it. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for your continued support as well. Uh, I know we're missing football on the weekends. It'll be back soon. And, uh, and we're looking forward to hearing news of new kits, pre-season, fixtures coming out on the 22nd of June. It all kicks and off And how soon. do we end all of these? Come on, you blues. Come on, you blues. <laughs> See you soon, guys.